As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 7th. I am Michael Beller, joined as I am every Wednesday for a little rankings talk and some other stuff, of course, by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, how we feeling heading into week five? We're like, what, a third of the way through your typical fantasy regular season already? Yeah, it's bittersweet. That's the problem. It's like, hey, yay, it's already week five and we get to sleep and three months and then the other side of it is like oh no the football season is already a third of the way through <laughs> right I get sad I do get sad like week five is like oh man we're already like we talk about this so much and we get so excited for this time of year and it's already 33 percent done it feels like uh, we can't even fully appreciate it while we have it how you doing Brandon uh, I'm doing all right. I usually hit my I usually hit my first wall around between week nine to week 11 so I got a few more weeks before I really start to <laughs> To, to feel the the grind but I'll you know and eventually I get my second win there it must be the holiday spirit or something that gets into me and, get, and carries me to the end but I'm I'm writing you know I'm writing uh mid mid-season stride feeling good uh just you know trying to decipher this news cycle and see who's going to yeah. play this week and who is and that's the biggest part of the midweek uh deal that we have here yeah, we'll start off with some of those news bits uh, as we uh, get into this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Let me just say really quickly, um, I've got some construction going on outside my house right now. I tried moving all over the place uh, today <laughs> and just everywhere I went. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't not hear it. So I apologize in advance if suddenly you hear a little bit of jackhammering or a little bit of road scooping, <laughs> things like that. Hopefully they're, they're stopped right now, as you can tell. So hopefully they stay stopped for the next hour or so. But just wanted to put that out there. Uh, it's not you. It's me. And uh, with that, let's get into some of this uh, news cycle off the top. Uh, we all woke up to some unwelcome news on Wednesday morning. The first, the most unwelcome of it being that we have two more positive tests for the Tennessee Titans uh, for COVID-19. That does put their game with the Bills in some doubt this week. We also have a positive test for Stephon Gilmore and a positive test unnamed player for the Las Vegas Raiders. So the, the Patriots-Broncos game, the Raiders situation, that feels right now like like too early to call, too early to say anything, and hopefully with what we've seen from other positives across the league where teams have been able to play their next game, 
Hopefully, fingers crossed, that will be the case for those two situations. But Titans and Bills, guys, this one is looking really bad with what's going on with the Tennessee Titans. It's starting to feel like uh, the St. Louis Cardinals uh, in the middle of August uh, with uh, the way that this just won't stop for the Titans. And uh, with some of the reports we're hearing, it seems like uh, the Titans team themselves are uh, really the ones to blame, maybe not adhering to league protocols and team protocols, and that could be making this worse. Uh, how are we going to be handling this this week, do you think, Jake? I think that you need to plan like we did last week for the Titans game. That, that's specific. If you have players on either side of that, that's where you need to be thinking for waivers. So it's not just run your normal waivers if they've already run by the time you're listening to this. Start having backup plans because the Titans – Like so the, the context for this too is the Titans – need to have zero cases two days in a row. So I, I don't know if that includes today because the test was already announced. So does today count? But either way, they said It would have to be like Wednesday need... and Thursday tests, right? They get announced on Thursday and Friday. You think, I think that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if maybe today can count because what, I'm, what I was about to say is like if it's today and tomorrow, that means they can practice Friday and Saturday and then the game might still get played. But if they have to do it two days after the last test, that would be Thursday, Friday. And then how do you even get the game in unless you start talking Monday or Tuesday like we just had with the Chiefs game? So it's like you said, it's looking dicey. You have a backup plan ready. And you know what? We talked about this before the show. And I said, how do you just give teams free wins? Here's the solution. Just forget the like forfeiting and giving a team a free win this week. That being the Bills. Just eliminate the Titans, period. You don't even get to play. You don't get to play. You don't get to be in the playoffs. We don't care what you do. You're done. I would be fine with a forfeit personally. Uh, you know, like, I mean, I understand, like, giving a free win to the Bills isn't fair to the Patriots or to some teams who could be competing for an AFC wildcard spot, although I'm not so sure we're going to have to worry about the Bills one way or the other when it comes to that. But at the same time, you can make the argument that, well, it's not fair for the Bills. They're doing everything right, and now they get their season thrown into disarray because of some uh, recklessness from the Titans. All right, Brandon? You feel that? Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised. What jumps out of me is this is a Mike, Mike Vrabel team. I have a lot of respect for him as a coach. He seems like a buttoned-up guy that runs you know, runs the team the right way, and I'm surprised that things have kind of gotten loose in regards to you know the rules and restrictions around this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if it really comes down to this was on them uh, and it was preventable and they've broken protocol, I, I think yeah, forfeit, forfeit is, is fine in my book. Absolutely. Yeah, the latest word that uh, that at least I saw before we started recording this episode, and it's a little after 11 a.m. on the East Coast, was uh, from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network saying that there were some possible t- players getting together for off-site workouts while they were uh, banned from reporting to the uh, to the team facility last week. And so if we know that, if we have that as a fact, and that has helped keep this alive for this team, I think a, a forfeit is uh, is definitely a fair punishment to hand down and maybe the only sort of punishment that could be handed down that will prevent other teams from doing this. Um, but we got to get into the rankings now. We do have still more good news than bad in the NFL world, and we have plenty of ranking stuff for Week 5 to talk about. Let's start at that quarterback position, as we like to do every single week. And the first guy who I want us to talk about here, you guys, is Joe Burrow. Bengals at the Ravens this week. You guys both feeling very good about Joe Burrow. Jake at QB9, Brandon at QB12. Uh, This Baltimore defense has been effective this year, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. Very good against the run. Just fine 
line, which works against the pass. But Joe Burrow, the volume's been there. We know that the run game can be there for him. It hasn't been there in a huge way since week one, but still uh, a club that he definitely has in his bag. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to go to you first on this one with his ranking, with where you have him and where Jake has him this week against a very good Baltimore team on the road. Does this mean that Joe Burrow has at the very least entered the QB1 discussion week in and week out? Well, I, you know, you said it, it's volume. It's 40, it's almost 45 attempts per game, the second most pass attempts in the league. Um, and the ex- expectation that the game script is that they're going to have to throw the ball. Um, and you've got a couple quarterbacks in Dwayne Haskins and Pat Mahomes coming off 300 yard games against Baltimore. And so, and he's got 300 straight uh, or three straight 300 yard games as well. And so I'm just in my head going, okay, he's probably going to get around 300 yards can he punch in one or two touchdowns through the air uh do a little bit on the ground that gets me i mean he's quarterback nine or ten depending on your scoring system and i look at this matchup as a little bit below average for him that's kind of how i'm ranking him like okay is this an average matchup i'll probably rank him right around nine or ten if it's a little bit below average i'm dropping him down a couple notches and that's kind of where i landed at the back end of the qb1 class yeah, it really comes down to a lot of questions have already been like, oh, Joe Burrow inside your top 10 against the Ravens. But, you know, I'll take the risk for it for a couple of factors here is we're talking about the, the Ravens in general. They don't run a lot of plays, but they push the pace of the game because they score so easy and so fast. That's why they don't have a lot of plays. It's not because they're slow like the Jaguars. It's because they score in three plays and then, boom, you have the ball. The Bengals have run the second most plays this year a lot of it as Brandon's saying it was because Burrow's passing eight billion times already so it really just comes down to a volume situation and I said we know look the floor for a rookie against the Ravens like is QB 25 like you could be coming out of this game be like screw you Jake you had him inside your top 10 I hate you like that's understandable as the floor but I'm kind of going with it this is the Jameis Winston the Blake Bortles you know what we hoped from Daniel Jones is that if we're expecting what we're expecting the Bengals should be able to score some, and if you get a 300-yard, three-touchdown, and three-interception Jameis Winston special, then you know what? He's still going to be a QB1 unless your league penalizes negative four or five for an interception. Yeah, three straight games of 300 yards for Joe Burrow, and we're talking a, a loss, a tie, and a win in those games. Um, th- every game this year, he has at least 36 pass attempts. Volume is not going to be a concern, so I think you guys uh, are right on here. I am right there with you. Places where I've jo- got Joe Burrow, I am comfortable playing him this week, even knowing that it could be ugly for the Bengals as a whole, but not necessarily ugly for the quarterback. Uh, next guy I want to talk about uh, is Matt Ryan, and the uh, reason I bring up Matt Ryan is because, you know, Jake, you're uh, your ranking and your your write up on him uh, did uh, pop out at me. You've got him as QB seventeen this week against the Panthers. Brandon Higher at QB thirteen. We talk, we think about this Atlanta offense and this Atlanta team, and it's been a bad team all year. But Calvin Ridley's having a great season. Julio is still Julio, even though he's dealing with the hamstring injury. Matt Ryan just fourteenth in the league in points per game, and we're talking standard QB scoring four point passing touchdowns, twenty five yards for a point on paper. Against Carolina, this seems like a decent spot. Jake, why do you fade Matt Ryan in week five? Because on paper, they could also win this game without him throwing a lot, and that would be a good thing if you're watching the last two games. (laughs) Uh, Miserable against Chicago, miserable against the Packers. You mentioned the Julio situation, but that's no Julio, a banged-up Julio, 
and I doubt and I don't have him in my rankings that Julio plays this week because he just aggravated the injury. I would actually expect him to miss multiple weeks if I'm being smart. But the Falcons do have one thing on the line. They might be concerned for Dan, or I should say Dan Quinn's concerned for his job. So maybe he tries to force the issue. But as of now, I don't have Julio in there. Calvin Ridley still doesn't look like he might be 100%. Russell Gage still not 100%. So you have... Calvin Ridley, and who has also proven last year, and I know this is last year compared to this year, but when he's getting the number one coverage instead of Julio, he doesn't put up Calvin Ridley-type numbers. And this can go back to conversations we've had in the past about being a 1B and just not being able to be that 1A. You need somebody alongside of you when you're like the Anquan Bolden comparison I always make. So I look at the last two games. I look at how Matt Ryan's playing. I look at how the offense is playing. I look at no Julio, and just all of it together says, Matt Ryan has to do it on his arm anyway. I just don't know that he even gets 15 fantasy points this week. Yeah, I think what I'm what I'm leaning at is uh, like so. This Atlanta defense is even just more banged up now. They lost another corner or uh, player in their secondary last week. I can't remember if Casey's a safety or a corner, but um, you know they've given up 30 points every week so far, even to the Chicago Bears. And I figure that's probably the the same narrative again, that, you know, even as much as they'd want to be able to run the ball a lot, they may still have to pass the ball. And the thing I saw with Matt Ryan that was so bad last week was that he was completely uncomfortable with that pass rush. Did, he was he was feeling the pressure sometimes when it wasn't there because of the Smiths. And, you know, Green Bay gets after the quarterback as good as anybody. Carolina has three sacks on the year. They're averaging less than a sack per game. I feel like Matt Ryan's going to have time to throw. And when he has time to throw and he's unpressured I feel good about him no matter who's out there although I will say that my rankings a little bit fluid based upon the overall you know health of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones like you know Jones could be out if Ridley's is hobbled and he's not practicing this week with that ankle and and even if he's going to play if he's going to be like he was last week then I might drop him down a couple spots but I think he's in a good position uh with that Carolina's lack of pressure to bounce back after a, a rough week last week Hey, Matt Ryan, not the only quarterback who's dealing with a ton of injuries to his pass catchers. Another one is someone who's playing tomorrow night, Thursday night football. Buccaneers and Bears getting together in Chicago. And Tom Brady is going to be without pass catchers. We know that for sure. Chris Godwin, uh, there hasn't been anything official, right, from the Bucs just yet, but he's not playing. Uh, They pretty much said that before even week four, that he was going to miss the week five game, the quick turnaround uh, from Sunday to Thursday. So we'll cross our fingers and hope for Chris Godwin in week six. Mike Evans has not practiced this week because of his ankle injury that he played through in week four, but clearly did not look like he was 100%. Scotty Miller has a hip and groin issue that has him questionable. He has yet to practice this week. We will see if he ends up practicing on Wednesday. O.J. Howard done for the season with a torn Achilles. So Tom Brady is going to be out there against this Bears defense without some guys, maybe without a lot of guys. And this Bears defense, you can get them on the ground so far this season, but they have still been very good against the pass this year, even though they're not getting home to the quarterback as they have in recent years. Tom Brady, meanwhile, QB8 on the season in points per game, ahead of Lamar Jackson, ahead of Matt Ryan, ahead of Deshaun Watson. Uh, where are we on him this week? Uh, yeah, yeah let's, let's start there, actually. Um, we'll go to you first on this, Brandon. Do the wide receiver injuries this week have you concerned? Jake, you can jump in, but I want to ask you a different question. So, Brandon, wide receiver injuries, how okay, do you feel well, about then, Brady? Hold on. <laughs> then let me double down, and Brandon can ask two questions. Oh, fine. How do you have, how do you have Matt Ryan ahead of him, too? when the one game for Tom Brady down was actually against Carolina because they were in control for that game. And he's also attempted 35 release passes every single week. So add that to your question. 
There you go. Oh, uh, you're asking Brandon. me why? I, well, like I said, I th- we'll see. I mean, Brady and Ryan, they're they're kind of pretty close for me. I have I have Ryan at 13 and Brady at 14. By the time Sunday rolls around, could I have Brady at 13, Ryan at 14? It's, it's possible. Uh, but Ryan's I was just gonna say to your 19. question, yeah, you know, Brady had five <laughs> touchdown passes with with guys out last week. He kind of looks like he's settling in a bit. Uh, he's QB8 as you mentioned. Again, I'm looking at the matchup. Chicago hasn't given up a ton through the air, but they also don't get after the quarterback like you said as well well as they've done in recent years and that's another big thing for Tom Brady he we know that when he's moved off his spot right now or, or he senses pressure he can fold pretty quickly so if he has time to throw I you know I, it looks like he's getting more and more comfortable um so yeah I don't I see this as a, not a huge it's not gonna be a five touchdown game but I think he can throw a few touchdown passes you know probably get in the mid 200s passing yards and and just be serviceable I kind of feel the same way about Matt Ryan so that's where I'm at on Brady uh, let's let's fast forward to a to a time when Chris Godwin is back, when uh, Mike Evans is fully healthy, when Scotty Miller is out there too. He's got all three of these guys. He already is QB eight in points per game, and he really hasn't had all of his weapons available to him. Are there big days ahead for Tom Brady? Could we be looking at a top? I don't want to say five just because of the lack of mobility and what we're seeing from mobile quarterbacks this year. But how about just a reliable top ten week in week out comfortable starter when he's got everyone available to him? I think so, and I think that's where a lot of people, myself, and I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Brandon, but you can confirm. I think a lot of us had him right in that conversation, maybe 11, maybe 12, maybe 10 or 9, but he was right in that conversation because of this, because Tom Brady for last year had essentially lost it. We actually thought he might have this year early on, but it looks like it might have just been settling into the offense, no real preseason, even though they were practicing at times. So it just took him a little while. The one good thing about it, too, is when they get in the red zone, this isn't the LeGarrette Blunt Patriots. This is Tom Brady's passing most of the time. Like They're throwing for touchdowns. They're not letting Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette or that terrible backfield run for touchdowns. So, yes, he doesn't run. Yes, that's always going to be why I don't love the Matt Ryans and Staffords and Breezes and Ben Roethlisberger's for fantasy as much as I will You know, understand that Minshew can go belly up any given week, but the floor usually feels a little bit better even from somebody like Minshew because he runs. So yes, all that being said, he deserves to be in the top 10 conversation. I think proven at this point, if he's doing it with only one essential great wide receiver. Right, one more quarterback I want to get into here, and that is Justin Herbert. The Chargers are taking on the Saints this week. Of course, this is another game that has some scheduling concerns. This because of the hurricane that is uh, uh, raging or is making its way uh, toward land in the Gulf of Mexico right now. So this is a game that almost certainly will get played. It could get moved from New Orleans, but probably going to get played in one way or another. So let's take a look at Herbert. We're actually going to talk about a few charges throughout this episode. Jake's at QB 15. Brandon feeling good about Justin Herbert at QB nine last week could be looked at as sort of the turning point of his rookie year, 290 yards, 11.6 yards per attempt, three touchdowns against the Buccaneers. Brandon, we got to go to you first. Mr. Uh, Rose colored glasses on Justin Herbert is now the time to buy because we're also looking at a schedule that includes the jets and the dolphins after the saints this week. Yeah. Well, uh, just, this is kind of just me just, after three weeks of watching him just being incredibly impressed, like way better than I thought he would be uh, great arm, making all the throws, uh, probably chasing on the scoreboard a bit in this one. I think he's another guy that's had three straight 300 yard games. Quarterbacks have had success against the Saints this year uh, in, in all kinds of different game scripts, but they faced some good. I mean, New Orleans faces some good quarterbacks so far as well. I will give you that, but uh, 
you know, I just, you know, can can Justin Herbert throw for another 300 yards and, and a couple touchdowns, maybe do a little bit on the ground? Again, I kind of look at him the same as Joe Burrow, except for his volume's typically not going to be there, but maybe it will be a little bit closer this week because they're chasing on the scoreboard. Yeah, it also comes down for me is I can't put him higher because Cousins against the Seahawks, Tom Brady, we talked about, Roethlisberger, Bridgewater, mm-hmm. who I have pretty high, Breeze and Burrow, and now we're up from there. Like, I can't put him in front of any of those guys, mostly because now, similar to what Brandon said about Matt Ryan, could be fluid. It sounds like they should get Lattimore and Jenkins both back this week. And when you have Jenkins being the number two corner instead of asked to be the number one, we've seen that those two guys can be a severe threat. And when you're rolling out Keenan Allen at 45% target share, which is ungodly when I t- tweeted that out yesterday, you have to think Lattimore himself can help you know, limit that, let alone that they just say, all right, you know what? We'll even give Lattimore help, not that he needs it, and take away Keenan Allen altogether. Herbert, go beat us with everybody else. Beat us with Guyton and Johnson and Hunter Henry and see what you can do. Also with known Austin Eckler now, and I think that's a bigger factor. And I'm not saying that you're not doing it, Brandon, but I think that's a bigger factor than some people are, are accounting for here with Herbert with no Austin Eckler. Now he turns to Justin Jackson, and I don't know if we can assume it will just be as successful for him in the passing game. We'll get into those Chargers a little later, but he had effectively no Austin Eckler last week. I mean, Eckler left that game in the first quarter. Yeah, but also look at who he's who's playing. Yeah, I mean, but I'm just I'm just saying the Eckler factor was already in play for him last week, and he had his best game to date. Again, the wide receivers. <laughs> I said Eckler's a factor. It's a two different matchups. It's like you can have they're not mutually exclusive. Right. I hear you. All right, we'll, 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 let's let's actually save some of that because we've got, I've got I want to talk some Chargers uh, running backs and I want to talk about Keenan Allen a little bit later. Let's get through this part very quickly. Uh, a regular starter you would consider sitting this week. Who you got, Jake? Mm, Jared Goff. Uh, look, look, Jared Goff. I liked last week. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think the obvious one is Matt Ryan, but Jared Goff would be the other one just because the Washington, even without Chase Young, can still get after the quarterback, and he looked sketchy against the Giants front last week. So. You know, that could just be a limited game where Jared Goff is another arm guy. He has to throw for 302 touchdowns for him to be a QB1. I don't have a slam dunk one here. I would say Matt Ryan as well. I guess I have him ranked 13th, so he's outside my QB1 class. Again, I don't hate him, uh, but that's kind of depending on the health of the receivers there. I don't have Ben Roethlisberger ranked super high this week either, um, and that's just because I've kind of been impressed with, really impressed with that Philly defensive front line and their ability to get pushed on the quarterback. So, um, but that could screw me, so I don't really want to go out there and say that could go. That, that's one of those games that could go either way for yeah. Roethlisberger in my mind. All right, how about an off the radar quarterback that you would start this week? Who you got, Brandon? Well, Jake mentioned that he, Jake probably wanted Teddy Bridgewater, but it's hard to it's hard to deny that he's got a great setup against Atlanta. So he's he's in my top ten this week, as is Justin Herbert, I guess. So those are a couple. Mm, okay, fine. Uh... Uh, I guess I'll dig super deep here. Uh, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. (laughs) I said super deep. I have. I was looking for the biggest. I was looking for the biggest plus range I could find, and Joe Flacco's at 24, so it's not like he's super. But, he, you know, consensus has him at 32 right now. They're yeah. probably part of it is having people who have Sam Darnold and they haven't pulled him out yet. But one thing is. We know Joe Vlacco's going to throw, and I don't. I didn't check to see if you have Le'Veon Bell in the conversation for running backs. But got Le'Veon do, Bell in the conversation. We've got right, Jameson well Crowder coming later too. Well, then we'll save Joe Flacco for the rest of my conversation when we get to Le'Veon Bell. How about that? I mean, is there anything better than a Joe Flacco tease? 
That oh, is beautiful. Well. We've got a Joe Flacco tease right here. You know what? You know what that is, Mike? What's that? That's an elite tease. An elite tease. I mean, if, I, if I'm keeping perfect. it real, I'll say, is everything better than a Joe Flacco tease? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know about that, Brandon. But I am very happy to jump into the next section after an elite Joe Flacco tease. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Running back time here and really the dominant uh, name in the running back conversation this week, especially early in the week as we talk about waivers, has been Damian Harris. Of course, just to reiterate some COVID concerns for this game with the Stephon Gilmore positive test, we're going to assume for the sake of this conversation that the game between the Patriots and the Broncos gets played. Last week, we saw 100 yards on 17 carries out of Damian Harris. Of course, all the Patriots caveats apply here. You guys have him ranked Basically exactly the same, Jake at RB31, Brandon RB32. Jake, what would you need to see from him in this game to feel better about him being a consistent RB2 flex range type of player going forward? Nothing from him. What I need to see is almost no usage for Rex Burkhead or people completely left out and J.J. Taylor stops even getting touches. I need to see a backfield that is Harris and White and the end. That's the, that's the problem. It's not Damian Harris. You guys know I was a fan of Damian Harris, and I kept bringing up the fact that people got scared for Sony Michelle purposes. Kept bringing up that everybody got scared for Sony Michelle's value last year when they drafted him, and then everybody was scared again for Sony Michelle this year because of his knees, and that Harris was going to be healthy this year. Harris' talent is not the question. Harris's team and Bilicek is the question. So, you know, if he puts up seventeen and a hundred, yeah, he probably needs to climb towards the low end RB two. But I say low end RB two still even after two hundred yard games because. James White is still the passing down back. James White was in a lot late in third in the fourth quarter of that game because they were down, and James White was running the ball, too, because they wanted to disguise and not say, oh, James White's on the field. They're always passing. That's my problem. It's a Belichick backfield, and until you're down to two people, that's what I've said my entire life. Until you give me only two running backs that I care about, I can't rank either of them inside the top 20. And all the people said amen. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I basically ranked Damien. Damian Harris like he was Sony Michelle because that's basically what he was. He he had what twenty two snaps and had seventeen carries. I mean he literally was Sony Michelle. I ranked him like a a younger, more spry version of Sony Michelle because because that's kind of what he is. But uh, normally I'm ranking Sony Michelle in that mid to back end thirties, and so I'm giving Damian Harris a little bit of a bump for having that same role, but just being a, maybe a little bit more upside with his vitality at this point in his career. So. Uh, but with Jake on everything he said. 
All right, let's talk about someone who you're obviously starting. I like how we mixed that in last week, so we're going to keep that going forward. This is James Conner, and we haven't seen the Steelers now for a couple of weeks because of the surprise buy uh, with the Titans game getting postponed last week. James Conner, if you will remember, the last two times we've seen him has gone over 100 yards. Uh, you guys have him both as RB1s this week. The injury concerns are there. But let's say you are in some sort of trade talk with James Conner. Even with those injury concerns, should he be treated as a locked-in RB1? No doubt about it, Brandon. I think so, because Mike Tomlin is – is he loves fantasy football players. I mean, he does. He just <laughs> he is does. like, I like the to run a, feature, a featured backfield, and James Conner is my guy. And when James Conner is out, then Benny Snell will be my guy. But, yeah, you can count on you can count on volume with him. And typically, Pittsburgh's been one of the best run you know running offenses in the league under Tomlin. And if, if things go awry there, you know James Conner's capable of going out and getting four catches for 40 yards like he did against Houston. Uh his last time out. Um, but yeah, I think he's locked in because of the volume, because of the versatility, because of the system, because of his head coach and even in, in tougher, in tougher matchups. And this one's, you know, not going to be an easy one for him against Philly. Yeah. I don't really have too much more to add to that. Just the fact that if James Conner, we knew, I just, I told you with James Conner's playing 15 games, we'd all have him inside the top 10. And this yeah. there's yeah. never been a question about ability with him. Same thing as Chris Carson, you know, similar running backs, different injuries. Yeah, right. I mean, imagine put yourself back in that range of running backs and people who went the, you know, David Johnson over James Conner route or, or Todd Gurley over one of these guys. And maybe Todd Gurley looks like a sell high candidate after his multi touchdown game in week four. But, uh, you know, James Conner, the injury concerns are there, but he delivers when healthy and you got to be feeling good about him going into this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. You've got the Steelers favored by a touchdown at home in that battle of Pennsylvania. Here's your guy, Jake. The, the, where we're going to pay off at least part of the Joe Flacco tease right here by talking about Le'Veon Bell. Now, no guarantee just yet. Again, just Wednesday, 11.30 a.m. now on the East Coast as we are recording this. So uh, Le'Veon Bell could return from IR this week. This is the earliest week he is eligible to return from that hamstring injury. Obviously, for the sake of this conversation, we're going to assume he does return. Jake, you're at RB20. Brandon at RB24. Jake, why do you trust him right away? Why is this such an easy decision for you? Because he's still heavy on Bell. And honestly, you know, this entire backfield, what have we seen from it? Nothing that makes you, again, I'm saying logically, so that all can go out the window because we're talking about Adam Gase. Nothing from this backfield has shown that logically <laughs> – Le'Veon Bell shouldn't get the vast mm -hmm. majority of the workload as soon as he's back. And Joe Flacco being there makes me feel better because Joe Flacco, when he plays, similar to Nick Foles, similar to Phillip Rivers, throws to the running back, throws to the running back, throws to the running back. He loves doing it. So I think this is a great situation for Le'Veon Bell to come back into and be right back to this value, especially against Arizona. But I say all that, and Adam Gase could, of course, ruin everything, as Adam Gase does. So, you know, just understand. It. I mean, would it surprise anybody if Le'Veon Bell is back? 100%. Not even on the injury report. And he gets five carries, and Frank Gore still gets 15 because Frank Gore looks so good these past couple games rushing for, what, two yards a carry or whatever he's been doing? <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. I'm, I'm cautiously ranking him as my very last RB two. Um, I kind of, in my mind, I'm like, Adam Gase, you gotta, I mean, you are hanging by a thread right now. You gotta play your best players. You got to, I mean, look at, we've had what three weeks without Le'Veon Bell. It's been an absolute mess. Um, there's no reason if Le'Veon Bell is completely healthy that he doesn't, shouldn't get a massive workload. Um, 
but yeah, there there is the Adam Gase factor. And look at it. I think if they lose and and Le'Veon Bell gets five carries, like Jake says, it'd be inexcusable for him to still have his job while Bill O'Brien is gone. Bill O'Brien should not have beat Adam Gase out the door. <laughs> is 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 Le'Veon an easy play over someone like Daryl Henderson? Yes. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Especially let's, Baker's I, it feels back. like a, a can of worms that I don't even want to go into right now. Yeah, I mean, that Rams backfield obviously is one we've spent a lot of time talking about, and it's just one that I wish we had some clarity on because three or four games we've seen big games from the guy who's led the backfield, and now Akers, we might actually be getting a cloudier picture if he is able to return, which Sean McVay sounded very optimistic about on Tuesday, so we have to take the marching orders from there and assume that he will be back. Um, you know, another uh, another backfield in flux, of course, is the L.A. Chargers uh, with the injury to Austin Eckler. So here's another chance to talk about something we referenced a little earlier. We've got Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson uh, as viable fantasy plays. We talked about this on Monday where they basically stand in our eyes as we head into our first Ecklerless game. Uh, Jake, you've got uh, Kelly at RB15, Brandon's at RB20. On Justin Jackson, you guys both have him at RB33. I'll put this one to uh, Brandon first. Are we looking at a lesser version of 2018? Not 2019, because we remember what happened last year, but 2018, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler here. Yeah, I think so. I think things switch now, and then the Justin Jackson becomes the, you know, becomes a complimentary uh, Austin Eckler instead of the lead back Austin Eckler that we've seen this year and, and last year while Melvin Gordon was out. But, uh, you know, I think by ranking for this week, I mean, you love Joshua Killa's Kelly's volume expectations. He was getting good volume before Eckler went out. And Eckler's getting, you know, 20 touches per game. So that that's going to be up for grabs. I don't think, you know, Kelly, I don't think he gets quite half of that. I'm guessing Justin Jackson probably has about a dozen touches coming his way. But I think in this game, New Orleans has been very good against the run. You know, if they have to if they have to throw the ball to be successful or because they're chasing on the scoreboard, that lend me a little bit uh, more to maybe Justin Jackson, although Jake and I have Justin Jackson ranked the same. So it's not like I'm giving him a little extra bump. But I just think that maybe this backfield in gen- general, you got to kind of temper your enthusiasm a little bit, given the matchup. Yeah, it's really the fact that we talked about on the waiver show, we kind of expect this to be the workload. I kind of wanted to rank Jackson higher because I brought this up on the show and said that what if they keep the offense the same and what if it's Jackson 60% and Kelly just stays in his role, know your role and shut your mouth. So, you know, that's the problem here is like, I, I feel like Kelly deserves it for being like the Melvin Gordon of this offense. But at the same time, I, I, I have a little bit of an uneasiness when I have Kelly as high as I do. I will admit that like it, just until we say it, it could go sideways on us. You know what's also another thing to think about in this game is that we're right. We're trying to get a little bit of clarity on what this backfield is going to be. We're hoping for some clarity, but none of us would be surprised, right, if the Saints jump out to like a seventeen to nothing lead through the first three possessions of this that was game. My other thinking, right, and totally blow any sort of. Uh, game plan that the Chargers had coming into it out of the water and that could just keep us in a holding period on what this backfield really looks like in an ideal situation of two for at least another week yeah then it doesn't give us any clarity we, we don't know what a normal game looks like and then we have to carry this you know this guesswork over for another week 
All right, one more running back here to get to, and then we can talk some wide receivers. Well, we're going to hit our lightning round, of course. But this is Jarek McKinnon, and you know, he has dominated the touches for the 49ers since the injury to Raheem Mostert. They play the Miami Dolphins this week. Jake's at RB26, Brandon's at RB19. Jake, I know that your rankings include a return for Raheem Mostert. Brandon, right. I am not sure about you, but put the question to you both, and I'll start with you on this one, Jake. Is McKinnon done? Do we have to assume McKinnon's fantasy relevance outside of another injury to Mostert is gone when Mostert does return? No, and I think that's uh, RB26 is definitely not gone. He's still a flex play, uh, potential even upside for more. But I think that I do, I have Mostert coming back. If there is no Mostert, I think you're talking another top 15 potential ranking this week. Uh, um, kind of scrolling back up to my rank, like I, oh, we just talked about Kelly. I would play him in front of Kelly. Uh, let's see who uh, running back how, how it go. Actually, that puts him right at 15. Miles Sanders is right in front of Kelly at 14. So I think that top 15 if there's no Mostert, but I do have Mostert. I have Mostert at 17 right now coming in this first game back against Miami. Uh, this is also a game where you don't necessarily see a ton of McKinnon potential if we expect what we expect from Miami. Like, it's not going to be a shootout. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Jake. I mean, I'm ranking uh, McKinnon like most Mostert is back, but I'm I'm ranking it like Mostert is not going to play his normal, uh, you know, share of snaps, and that McKinnon probably still gets the the lead touch uh, volume. But man, I just my ranking. I'm, I I agree. I think McKinnon, even if Mostert does, you know, in the next week or two, assume that lead again, I think McKinnon's going to be a steady back end RB two top flex play for me because he's looked great. I mean, he's he looks so much uh, more. Like like he's added weight. He looks a lot more physical than he used to. I just remember the guy a few years ago before he got hurt, just being like this, you know, a little kind of skinnier guy. And he's just stronger now. Uh, and he's making big plays every week. And they're using him around the goal line. And he's breaking tackles. And I just impress. And look at San Francisco can support two high-end running backs in this mm -hmm. offense. So I have no problem um, ranking McKinnon as a regular back-end RB2 with Mostert back. And McKinnon has scored a touchdown in every game so far this season. Four targets in his first game without Mostert. Eight last week. 18 touches, or 17 touches in that first game without Mostert. And 21 last week. So I'm with you guys. I don't think he goes completely away. Obviously, the upside is slashed when Mostert returns. But still think he's going to have a consistent role in this offense. And another one where when we do get Mostert back, will be very interesting to see how the backfield is deployed in the first couple of games with both of them healthy. Lightning round time here, guys. Let's start off on the bad side of the discussion. We'll start with you, Jake, a regular starter that you would consider sitting in week five. Yeah, right now it's Kenyon Drake, and I think he'll <laughs> stay being Kenyon Drake. Uh, well, I'm surprised that when I ranked him at 22 that he's 10 below consensus. I know it's the Jets, but this feels like what we talked about on Monday's show, the waivers type of stuff. Is It feels like the trap of everybody's going to be all over. Start Daniel Jones. Start all the Giants. It's the Cowboys. We do this every single year. Yeah, a matchup can help, but there's a lot of times where just no matter how bad you are, the matchup can only do so much. I don't know how you trust Kenyon Drake right now. Like, I have Drake behind Melvin Gordon, even with Lindsey back, behind Singletary, behind Bell, behind David John. Like, how do you trust Kenyon Drake right now? I don't think you can. 
that was going to be my guy. I don't have him ranked outside the RB2 range, but man, I, and I don't think the Jets are that great of a matchup, really. I mean, Kenyon, or, uh, Melvin Gordon had a very late garbage time run that really pumped up his numbers, but the Jets are typically pretty strong against the run, and Kenyon Drake's having his struggles, and could Chase Edmonds, could this be the game where we really see Chase Edmonds make a play to, to pull Possibly. even? Yeah. I well, think then I'll give you a second one, Brandon. How about this? The one right in front of him. David Johnson in the slow-paced yeah. Jaguars in a new system. Maybe they free Duke Johnson, and he starts to get more run finally. Yeah, I have I have David Johnson 23, so I'm with you. So there you I'm go. Like, yeah. yeah. Drake and Johnson, definitely two guys to be a little bit concerned with this week. Uh, let's go to the happy side of this discussion, you guys. <laughs> Brandon, uh, an off-the-radar, a fringe guy that you would consider starting this week. Ooh, and off the radar, uh, Devonta Freeman. I mean, against Dallas, he's he's James 20. got him like RB twenty seven. I have him twenty nine, so that's in a, that's go. in a that's in a very flexy range. So Freeman is, uh, I guess, my guy. Why, why are you gonna keep making me dig deeper? Good God, <laughs> that's fun. I'll, I'll, I'll go back you to say the Justin Jackson. No, well, I mean, Justin Jackson, we already talked about it. It's kind of obvious. Yeah. So then I'll go to RB35 that I have right now, and I know he's insanely above consensus because a lot of people don't have him in his rankings. But assuming Philip Lindsay's back. And everything happens fine with the Patriots. Philip Lindsay was proving the concerns we had about Melvin Gordon in that first mm-hmm, game before he got hurt, mm-hmm. and it was actually a 50 50 split. I think Philip Lindsay deserves to be in the RB3 slash flex, like a fringy high end RB4. And I have him at 35 as of right now, assuming he plays. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but didn't Lindsay out everything? Gordon before he left that game with the toe injury. Yeah, I was trying not to touch out, snap out everything. I was I was jogging around the victory lap for that one. I wasn't like doing a full sprint. (laughs) Guys, you guys are so hard on Melvin Gordon. I've Melvin Gordon's look good this year. No, it's not. It's again, it's not. It's not hard on Melvin Gordon. Yeah, it's not hate for Melvin Gordon. It's the love of Philip Lindsay and understanding that Melvin Gordon doesn't deserve to be an RB one. Is all it was. The problem is I don't know that Denver, uh, you know, the front office and the coaching staff has the same love that you guys do for Philip. They did in the first game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, he out everything, Dim. Out everything. Yeah. The problem is, is, would they bring him back and give him the normal role right That's away? That's a fair concern. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, it's a slow. Brandon, part. don't ever, sure. don't ever try to put sure. me in a in a group of people that does not like Melvin Gordon. You know exactly, exactly where I went I know. to school. And you know I where I went have... to school. The best running back college game I ever saw in my life was Melvin Gordon running oh, for like three hundred yards against <laughs> Northwestern at Northwestern. Only for Joel Stavi to throw three red zone interceptions and lose the game. And just no ruining way. Melvin's day. Are you kidding me? Well. I am not kidding. Actually, Tanner McAvoy, former Seahawk, uh, got some. He was a safety slash quarterback for the Badgers because, you know, that makes sense for Wisconsin. And he threw a red zone interception in that game, too. Which is why he ended up being a receiver. Yeah. Which is exactly. why he ended up being a receiver. <laughs> and I have Mel- Melvin Gordon inside the top 20, and he's only RB35. It's not like I have Lindsey at 20 and Melvin Gordon at 35. Yeah. yeah, don't try to paint us as Melvin Gordon haters. Plus, she gave me Devonta Freeman, so that. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't. Yeah, say I give you else. the layup on that one. <laughs> All right, good. Let's talk about some wide receivers now that we uh, have that out of the way. Keenan Allen, first guy I want to talk about here. You guys both have him as top ten receivers. That makes uh, plenty of sense this week. What I want to talk about though is Keenan Allen's play with Justin Herbert. Jake, you referenced earlier the ridiculous target share. What was that number again that he's had with Herbert? Forty-five point two percent over the last two weeks. I mean, that is just absolutely outrageous. (laughs) It's nuts. And the exact numbers uh, are are just as good or quite just about as good. 28 catches, 41 targets, 290 yards, one touchdown with Justin Herbert. Uh, I don't want to put too much into just one game, but he had four catches, eight targets, 37 yards with Tyrod Taylor in week one. So it appears arrow up 
for Keenan Allen with Justin Herbert under center. Obviously, that's going to make him someone who's interesting in the trade market. Some inter- some, I looked at Yahoo trades uh, that have happened over just the last 24 hours. Some of the ones that jumped out for me involving Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen for James Conner, Keenan Allen for David Montgomery, Keenan Allen for Julio Jones in a uh, challenge trade. If you were out there trying to either trade for or trade uh, away Keenan Allen, how would you be treating him? Would you be wanting a wide receiver one price if you were selling him? Would you be uh, willing to pay the wide receiver one price if you were trying to acquire him? I'll go to you first on this one, Jake. Yeah, I think that you have to. Look, the regression's coming just inherently, even if Herbert holds this play, even if Keenan Allen holds his play, even if Mike Williams comes back and nothing else happens and it doesn't affect you, you're the regression's coming. You can't get that kind of level. Maybe it's 42.5. Maybe I mixed up the five and two. Either way, it's well over 40%. That doesn't, that doesn't sustain for anybody, no matter who you are out there. Like, what is uh, DeAndre Hopkins around 35%? DeAndre Hopkins is like the Arizona passing game, the end. So you know it's going to come back. That being said, even let's say it comes back to 35 and one of the highest marks in the league, that's still an absurd amount. That's still double-digit targets per week. This is Julian Edelman in his prime with Tom Brady. You can't complain about what will be a wide receiver one and a top 10 talent, so you do have to get top 10 wide receiver. If you want to sell high because you're concerned, understand that he's still going to be a wide receiver one. I'm so angry in my in my preseason rankings. I buried Keenan Allen. I felt so validated by it because I just thought the Tyrod Taylor connection was going to be terrible, and I didn't think we'd see Justin Herbert till like the last month of the season. I and mean, you were right to start. Uh, the, uh, well, not buried, buried, but he was a 50-50 split, and Mike Williams was getting the air yards, and Keenan Allen wasn't, so you weren't wrong with Taylor. Yeah, I had him ranked like 29 on, on my preseason And that seems kind of fair to start. Yeah, and and yeah, that's just been blown out of the water now. So, but yeah, I mean, that's I, I he he's great. I would, you, I think Jake's right. You, no one's selling Keenan Allen for uh, something well below a wide receiver one price. I mean, so you have to pay that. Can he deliver on it? I think he can, but I think he's probably. I don't think you. You're obviously you know, there's not a whole lot of movement upwards for him left. He's probably right at the top of his ceiling. So, um, you get what you get with that. All right, well, would you pay the wide receiver one price that you don't have to pay on Juju Smith-Schuster? This was one that really confused me from the uh, consensus ranking because he's just inside the top 30, according to consensus. And you could take that for what it's worth, especially on a Wednesday. But we're talking about a mid-tier wide receiver three when you were looking at just inside the top 30. You guys both comfortably higher than that on him this week against the Eagles. Jake's at 18. Brandon, you're at 22. Three games for Juju this season, 17 catches, 19 targets, 160 yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, we would like those first three numbers to be a little bit higher, but hey, you can't really complain with the overall production. Uh, Brandon, I'll start with you on this one. Can you figure out at all why so many of our brethren are treating him as a wide receiver three? Uh, No, I can't. I mean, there's so much Deontay Johnson love. Uh, because of the 25 targets, but he's got 14 of those. He's got 14 of those passes. Juju Smith's got 19, 17 of 19 targets. I mean, they are very efficient right now, him and Roethlisberger. And it's really all, I mean, this Deontay Johnson, like becoming a bigger thing is great because it's just going to help Juju Smith-Schuster out. And the more defenses are going to treat Deontay Johnson seriously, the more it's going to help Juju out. But he is, he has been highly efficient with limited volume and, 
I don't feel like that volume is going to stay stunted all season long. So I feel fine about Juju Smith-Schuster. I think, you know, I had him ranked probably, if I'm looking back at my rankings for the season, I think I had him inside the top 15, and I think he's now probably more comfortably between 15 and 25, kind of in that back end of the of the wide receiver two class, but definitely not a wide receiver three. Yeah, I'll keep it short and simple because there's not much more to add besides it's lazy analysis. That's all it is. It's, you know, oh, he's only got 19 targets and three touchdowns. That's not sustainable. So is not only having set 19 targets and being Juju Smith-Schuster with Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I think we see a nice game really out of that entire offense this week against the Eagles. So let's talk about a couple of wide receiver teammates here, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. This is a, a very interesting situation that's developing in Carolina for a number of reasons. It seems like maybe shifting roles than what we would have expected for Moore and Anderson, an offense that uh, maybe was more ready to start the season than we would have guessed with all the new uh, blood there, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Uh, team is 2-2 two and two with both wins coming without Christian McCaffrey. So uh, an interesting team, I think, to look at on the whole. And these wide receivers typified that. We've got Robbie Anderson through four games, 28 catches, 34 targets, 377 yards, and a touchdown. He's sixth in the NFL in yards. He has 99-plus yards in three out of four games. Meanwhile, DJ Moore has been the disappointing receiver in Carolina, 65 or fewer yards in three out of four. Um, I'm going to throw this one to Jake first, and I'm going to do it with Robbie Anderson. Uh, are you locking him in as a starter at this point? You have him as the wide receiver 20 on the week for week five. Yeah, so I did my podcast, and I brought up Rich Rebar's tweet, and Rich Rebar was talking about the fact that Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore's roles have been reversed exactly what we would have thought and said that Robbie Anderson's been getting the low A dot and DJ Moore is getting the double-digit A dot, which makes no sense when you're talking about the two wide receivers, except for the fact that if you dig deeper, it's the fact that Robbie Anderson's not great at separating. So they've been kind of letting him do his thing after the catch, and it's been working for Robbie Anderson so far, but downside of it, is what we talked about leading into the season. Everybody that had this concern was Teddy Bridgewater's conservative. He's conservative, aggressiveness, not throwing interceptions, but also conservative, not throwing deep balls. He's in that 10 to 15 yard range. So if DJ Moore's running the deeper routes, that's what this is exactly why we're seeing this. this is the problem. So we didn't expect this. I don't think anybody would have said, oh, yeah, Robbie Anderson is going to have half the A dot that DJ Moore does. But because that is the situation right now, until it reverses and goes back to what we expected, which might not happen, Anderson is the better option than DJ Moore. And Brandon, let me jump in here and ask you a, a, a version of this question, but a little bit different. Uh, Derek and I talked about this on an episode of Fantasy Football in 15. At least I think it was Fantasy Football in 15. So I, I talked about this with this you, yes. I talked ah, about that's, yes, yeah. it was you. I knew I brought it was up, a show. I recently. brought up the same point Jake just said. They, these guys are, you know, Robbie Anderson's become DJ Moore and vice versa. And so is that a is that a sign that we're seeing from this Carolina coaching staff that we think Robbie Anderson is the better receiver? We know what our quarterback skill set is. Even though Robbie Anderson is better designed to go deep down the field, that doesn't fit our quarterback skill set. We want the guy who we see as the best receiver to be vibing with the QB skill set. And so we're going to switch these guys' roles from what you would have expected coming into the season. I'm not going to guess that that's what they're thinking because I don't think that's true. I, I think DJ Moore is a better receiver. DJ Moore is a stud. I love DJ Moore. And, like, in terms of with the ball in his hands, one of the best in among the receivers in the league at yards after the catch ability. Um, 
Yeah, I don't I don't get it. Like I apparently Robbie Anderson has more uh to his game than I gave him credit for, but do I think that he has more to his game than DJ Moore? I, I would say no. Like I I and we're we're kind of seeing that DJ Moore actually may not be as good at the Robbie Anderson role and that maybe they should switch it back around because Robbie Anderson may be getting more out of the thirty two targets that DJ Moore's gotten the way he's gotten them. And that I don't think that DJ Moore would have had anything less than what Robbie Anderson's got. If Robbie Anderson, if DJ Moore had Robbie Anderson's role, so I don't know. I don't know what's going on. If there's some preferential, you know, some Baylor love going on here between Rule and Robbie Anderson, but uh, something weird is going on, and and maybe it is that they just decided because of Teddy Bridgewater, this is what makes the most sense for our offense. You mean a Temple connection? Not a Baylor connection. Oh, Temple. Yeah, you're. That's right. Sorry, got that mixed up. It's that's right. I, for some reason, I that's had Robbie right. Anderson at Baylor, uh, but yeah, <laughs> they were together. They were together at some point. <laughs> Rule and and Anderson in their in their shared college. Temple days. Temple is easily forgotten. In Wait, my so mind. they go to it's church the, together? It's the Baylor of Philadelphia. <laughs> Temple. <laughs> the um, Baylor of Philadelphia. I like. That. Yeah. There you go. Uh, one more thing on this, really quick, Jake. I'm going to put this back to you. Uh, would you be trying to buy DJ Moore at this point? Uh, some j- trades that I saw in the Yahoo market jumped out at me. He's been traded twice straight up for Cam Akers, twice straight up for David Montgomery. Obviously, just because that happens in two leagues doesn't mean it can happen in your league. But if you take that as a picture of the overall mind of the DJ Moore manager feels like a good time to try to get in the market for him. Yeah, and for everybody that doesn't understand, again, this doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, is I can have concerns for Kenyon Drake, I can have concerns for DJ Moore, and I can still want to buy low because they're bargain-based pricing now. Like Similar to years past before last year when he broke out for most of the season and especially what he's been doing so far, I never, ever, ever, ever drafted Amari Cooper. I traded for him a couple times, and you know that's because I could stash him on my bench and see if anything changes. If I can get Drake or DJ Moore super cheap, I'll take the chance that they turn the corner because there's a reason we like them to begin with. I referenced earlier that we were going to talk about Jamison Crowder. I feel like we've touched on it enough, but you know, I don't want to go back and cut that out of the show. So let's just talk about Jamison Crowder <laughs> here really quickly. Joe Flacco, of course, as we have discussed, is taking over as the starter. You guys obviously have no concerns for Jamison Crowder because of the quarterback change. Jake's at wide receiver 29, Brand is at wide receiver 26, and I get it. Two for two in double-digit targets so far this season. Two for two in 100-yard games. Brandon, all systems go for Jamison Crowder this week, even with the QB change, correct? Yeah, I mean, it'd be different if Jamison Crowder was a was a deep ball specialist, you know, and, and Sam Darnold's out. But we know Joe Flacco likes that short and intermediate range, and uh, – you know, so that should be work out fine for Jamison Crowder. And, and where else is he going to go? Like, I have no faith in Chris Herndon now, uh, although maybe Joe Flacco unlocks a little bit something from him. But, you know, Chris Hogan, Braxton Berrios, uh, Jeff Smith, he looked pretty decent. But, uh, again, I'm going to lean on Jamison Crowder, who I think is good at football and is good working in the slot. Period. He's Terry McLaurin, lesser version. Not even that much of a lesser version. So continue. That's I can continue to say that every <laughs> single week. You had to bring up a Washington football team player. Is there something going on with Dwayne Haskins that we don't know about? I mean, how is he getting benched? So Emery thinks that they might be trying to trade him, which I mean, because it's again, I, I tweeted that too this morning, not the trade thing. I said, hey, we want you to see improvement. He improves the last two games, including throwing 71% of his passes for 314 yards with one of the worst receiving cores in all of the NFL against the effing Ravens. And then he gets benched for one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL period in Kyle Allen. Like there's, this is un, unfathomable. I don't, I, this, this team deserves to be what it is. 
I'm not out here saying that Dwayne Haskins is for sure about to be a multi-Super Bowl winner, MVP, perennial candidate year in and year out, but I, it's just how does it make any sense to make this move? I mean, we we know that Kyle Allen is serviceable quarterback at best. Here's we the, know that. Here's the or one, serviceable I'll, backup. I mean, serviceable backup at best. We I'll know give, that. You ready? I'll give you the conspiracy theory positive spin. All right? Okay. You ready for this? I like it. Yeah. Ron yeah. Rivera does like Haskins. And he's making the switch so people see how terrible Kyle Allen is. And then when he goes back to Haskins, the bar is not as high. And people are like, oh, Haskins is actually pretty good. <laughs> I, I don't believe it, but that's, that's I guess, the one positive spin you can try and pre- pretend to the have. Only, the only fly that women is they're only a half game out of first, right? So Right, like, yeah. Like, the worst you don't want Kyle Allen to be too bad because you actually could, you know, oddly backdoor a, 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 you know, a division title here. It's crazy. Yeah, and that defense, especially when Chase Young comes back, figures to keep them in most games. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, we'll be watching the NFC East definitely this season. I want to do something really quickly here before we get uh, through the lightning round. Uh, I've got something listed as trust meter check-in, a one-to-five scale. One means this player is you – know, obviously, all these guys are fine to have on your roster. But one means you really don't want to start him unless it's because of buys or injuries. Five means you think he can be a weekly wide receiver three. So let's get through this quick. Maybe uh, your number and one sentence why. Uh, we'll alternate. We'll start with Jake on LaVisca Chenault. Three, mostly because I want to see him pass Cole, and he's not yet, but he's got upside. Three, with expectations that it'll be four in the coming weeks and then five by the end of the year. I like it. All right, Brandon T. Higgins. Uh, I think I'm four right now. I'm pretty much counting him as wide receiver two on this team and a team that throws as much as pretty much everybody in the league except for um, who am I missing? Who's who's Oh, Dak Prescott. So, yeah, yeah, Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, five except for matchups like this. At Baltimore is the matchup Jake is referencing. Jake, where are you at on Hunter Renfro at Kansas City? Again, assuming that game's able to go, Kansas City has the the COVID uh, issues potentially after playing the Patriots last week. Four if there's no rugs. Two and a half if rugs is back. Yeah, I'm three and a half if no rugs. Uh, two and a half if rugs is back. All right, Brandon, Russell Gage, Falcons taking on the Panthers this week. Remember, we're also talking full season here, not just this week, but they are playing the Panthers this week. Well, you put all the matchups, so I assume we were talking this this week. Well, just as a a nice reference. Uh, He's a a three and a half, Russell Gage. I think, I mean, if Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are 100% healthy, he's kind of right in the middle of a three. I probably won't have him in my top 36, but I'll probably have him in my top 44 most weeks he's exactly what he is on the team three all right and then last guy here also another one assuming they can play this week but keep an eye on the full season tim patrick uh jake take this one uh three and a half and then soon it'll be three and then soon it'll be two and a half and then soon it'll be two because kj hamler is going to be a thing eventually Yep, the health, the change at quarterback. He's going to be up and down. I would probably land him on the, on a season long, probably about a two and a half. All right, lightning round time here. Brandon, a regular oh, starter geez. at wide receiver you think could go on the bench this week? Oh, you, you snuck up on me here. Um, <laughs> let's see. Who who do I got? Jake, you got one you want to throw in there? I, I mean, I can do. we just say – can we but just I was say, gonna, do it, I was gonna make we just say Julian myself. Edelman? Okay, they, can we say Julian Edelman? Is he a regular starter? For sure, I would. I I might sit Julian Edelman for the for the time being. Change over at quarterback. God, he looked terrible. Did he not look terrible? How many passes did he drop on Monday night? He was terrible. 
So I will give you one and transition to your next question of somebody that you would start. I love it. I love because it. they're on the same team, and that's why I wanted to do it. You're benching T.Y. Hilton, and you're playing Zach Paschal because Zach Paschal is now the number one for the Colts. It's no longer T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton's off in Dumpsville with A.J. Green and Anthony Miller and Marvin Jones and Brandon Cooks. They're all hanging out together. They bought a timeshare. Hold-, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on for a second. Brandon, that bears a little bit of context. What makes you say that? The Julian Edelman? No, 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 no. Jake, that what what makes you say that Zach Pascal is number one over T.Y. Hilton at this point? Because he's out there with more snaps, more routes, more targets, more production. Period. Damn, T.Y. Get the hell out of here. Go to that timeshare. <laughs> Brandon, who you got here? Uh oh, I guess Justin Jefferson. I mean, I think he's you got to lock him mm-hmm. down, right? Going against Seattle. Go uh, he's a right. pretty he's a pretty bright purple light on the radar uh, at this point. Scotty Miller. Uh, I'm just looking. Mm. Yeah, there you go. I'll give you a Scotty Miller. If he plays, if he plays, I mean, no Godwin, um, and maybe a hobbled Evans. Definitely something to keep in mind with uh, with the uh, Titans and Bills game potentially up in the air. The Patriots and Broncos. We'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks. But uh, a bird in the hand could be worth two in the bush. So keep that in mind when you are thinking about your Thursday and night players this week. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, guys, let's wrap things up with the tight end position. I'm going to keep trying to stay creative at tight end because it's just not the most fun position to talk about. But here's what we've got for this week. The tight ends that you unquestionably feel good about having in your lineup every single week. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, and I think Jonu Smith can go into that group after what we've seen from him. If he's not in that group, he's definitely in this next group. Tight ends you feel fine about, and you definitely aren't turning away from at this point of the season. Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Mike Kosicki, potentially in that group. If they're not, maybe they're in this next group, some version of this next group. Tight ends who have underperformed, I guess Fant definitely not in that group, but are still rostered in at least 75% of leagues. Tyler Higby, Evan Ingram, and Jared Cook. We've got a couple of up-and-comers who are both rostered in more than half of leagues in Dalton Schultz and Robert Tanya. Then we've got a group of tight ends who are less than 50% rostered, uh, but people have talked themselves into at various points of the season. Jimmy Graham, Dallas Goddard, Moelle Cox, Eric Ebron, and Chris Herndon. My question to you guys is this. If you're not in that first group and maybe that second group of guys, what are you doing at this position every week? Uh, Jake, you take this first. Are you just sort of starting who you have and hoping for the best? Or are you trying to play in that stream pool, even though it only consists of guys like Jimmy Graham and Moelle Cox and Eric Ebron? Yeah, so if I'm in the next group, I'm just sticking with them. Gasecki has been supremely disappointing, but it's hard to find somebody running as many routes and on the field as much as he is, especially like TJ Hawkinson too, Hayden Hurst as well. So this entire group, I'm sticking with him. Fant actually sounds like he won't be back this week, but Fant deserves to be in this conversation. Anybody after that, including Evan Ingram, everybody wants to apologize for Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram this week because they're facing the Cowboys and Jared Cook when he's back. Higby, so like those, if you want to go switch them out and go take Schultz and you want to go after Tanyan, if you want to go after Gronk because O.J. Howard's hurt, I don't care. 
What I will say is you can chase whoever you want at tight end once you get past the big seven, eight-ish, like if we're including that second group, because tight end is what it is. But if I'm going to do that, this is what I would do. I would just pick one and stick with it. If you're going to go after Tanyan after he comes back from the bye, just stick with it, because what ends up happening more often than not at tight end, you chase Tanyan, you miss the big game, then he goes down, so then you're saying, oh, screw it, I'll go switch to Schultz. Then he has a down game, and so you're chasing your tail, and you're always missing the big games anyway, so just pick one and stick with it. I don't know if I have much to add to that. It's, uh, you know, I, I think that I would, my argument would be that I think you have some guys in the wrong categories. Like, I mean, in Dallas Goddard sure. is, is hurt, but I think if Dallas Goddard's there, he's in one of the top two uh, areas he mentioned. Mike Gasicki's out there a lot, but man, the last two games have to give you a pause of him being kind of a, a set it and forget it guy. Um, so, yeah, it's, I thought you know, early on we saw all the guys that we uh, kind of targeted for breakouts. It was happening the last couple of weeks. It seems like that is giving us pause. That that's going to continue. We've had a lot more kind of upheaval in the last couple of weeks. And now I think if you don't have one of those top five, you're just, you know, you're going with the guys that you, you know, are going to be out there. You're you're looking at matchups. You're maybe streaming a little bit, but you're, yeah, you're just trying to get by. Yeah, the, you could definitely quibble with where these guys belong in these arbitrary categories that I've created, but I feel like the point is, unless you have someone who you feel great about, you're sort of just stuck with whoever you have. Yeah, that's just what this position feels yeah, like at this point. I would just unless like you know, unless an, a, a Tanyan emerges and you want to jump, you know, to that. But yeah, you're 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 kind of just waiting for the next better thing to jump to the next lily pad, you know. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where you're stuck. All right, well, is there a lily pad you would consider jumping to this week, Jake? Eric Ebron against the Eagles. Target the Eagles for tight ends. It looks to be the case so far, uh, except for one game. Um, I mean, that's if you're getting down in this range because I'm kind of trying to get past the Hurst and Gasickis and Higbees and stuff like that. But, you know, Gronk I have inside my top 15. Ebron I have inside of my top 15. That's where I would go. All right, Brandon, your dreams have come true. You get the last word on the show about a tight end lily pad you might jump to in week five. Oh, man, is is Drew Sample going to be the last word mic drop? I don't <laughs> think it is. Uh, but you can see his utility in a game against the Ravens, and you know that's been a kind of a theme for everybody that's played the Ravens. Jordan Akins, David Njoku, uh, Travis Kelsey had a big game, but he always has a big game. But uh, you know, I, I could see Joe Burrow going Drew Sample's way a decent amount this week, so. <laughs> Not a terrible Drew's, play. Drew Sample. The also the only one of the four matchups who did nothing against the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh but that I mean if that doesn't perfectly sum up this tight end position where it's eh, well, whatever you got, you're basically <laughs> stuck with that guy the rest of the year. I don't know what does. And hopefully this fun, exciting, hour long episode sums up what we do here for you every single Wednesday on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast because we're packing things in for this week. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, if you're out there listening on iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, good news, you can get in the door just $1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod to do that. You can get Jake's rankings, of course. You can check the link every single week and you get every single thing that we do at the Athletic Fantasy. MLB in the middle of the playoffs. NBA Finals. Catch it while you still can before the Lakers finish things off in week five. WNBA Finals. Every single thing we do 
get it right here uh, for just $1 a month, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. For Jake and for Brandon, I am Michael Beller. We are out. The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast will be back with you tomorrow. The three of us will be back with you next week on Monday to talk week six waivers and a whole bunch of week five news, we are sure. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day. We'll be right back.